Uh, while Josiah is doing that, if you want to turn to the book of Colossians, uh, we're in chapter 1 this morning, and we're looking at verses uh, 10 through 14. I'm going to read 9 through 14, uh, but we're, we're going to be looking at verses 10 through 14. Colossians chapter 1, uh, picking it up in verse 9. God's word says this to us this morning. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. In Colossians 1 verse 10, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. So today we are beginning a five-part sermon series that I've titled Next. Uh, I have two reasons for why I've titled it that, so that title Next. One is, the first reason why is uh, because you're now stuck with me as your pastor, you may be wondering, what's next? Right? What's next? What, what, what's going to happen? What's going on? And my plan is to answer that question through this ser- sermon series by, by sharing uh, the vision that God has laid on my heart for Orangeville Baptist Church. So today we're just going to kind of give a big overview of, of what that vision is. In the next four weeks, we're going to be digging into the four different phases of that plan. Uh, the second reason why I've, I've titled this sermon next, or this sermon series next, is because I want to challenge you with what might be next in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. What are your next steps as you seek to follow Jesus Christ? It says in Mark chapter 1, verse 18, that Jesus said to a couple of the disciples, he said, follow me, and I will do what? Make you fishers of men. So following Jesus and helping others to do the same, that's the heartbeat of Christianity, amen? That's the heartbeat of Christianity. This, this is what Orangeville Baptist Church must be all about, and that's bringing others into a life changing relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and then helping them follow Jesus down the pathway of life. See, I believe that we love others best. We love others best by pointing them to Jesus and then helping them to follow Jesus down the pathway of life. Another word for that is discipleship. And at Orangeville Baptist Church, we are serious about discipleship. We are serious about helping you grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. Helping you become a fully mature follower of Jesus Christ. We want to help you with that walk. We want to help you one step at a time to look less and less like this world 
And I don't know why anyone would want to look like this world the more you see it show its colors, but we want to help you step by step to look less and less like this world and more and more like our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That is God's will for your life, that you walk with Him, that you draw near to Him. As also God's will for Orangeville Baptist Church that we be a community of believers that, that help each other step by step look less and less like this world and more and more like our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. To help us do that, we've put together uh, what we're calling a discipleship pathway for Orangeville Baptist Church. And this discipleship pathway is modeled upon uh, the mission statement that we uh, put together as a church a few years back. Do you remember the mission statement uh, that we put together a few years back? It goes like this. We are a Christ-centered community that aims to do four things, right? Believe in Christ, belong to Christ, become like Christ, and build through Christ, and we do that together. That's the mission statement of Orangeville Baptist Church. And it's not great that I'm, I think I'm hearing crickets. <laughs> that, that's the mission statement. Let me say it again. We are a Christ-centered community whose aim is to believe in Christ, uh, belong to Christ, become like Christ, and build through Christ together. And not only is that our mission statement, that also is our discipleship pathway. Our discipleship pathway is modeled on that mission statement. And you can see it on the screen behind me. Uh, you said that little stick figure guy that's there. That's an unbeliever. It's someone who's yet to know what it means to follow Christ. So they're, they're lost in darkness. They have not yet been transferred into the kingdom of light. They need to believe. And that's the first step of the discipleship pathway, right? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, this pathway is, is in the sermon notes that are inside your bulletin. If you can't remember all that I say, it's in there. But there's four steps. Believe. We want you to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we want you to grow in that belief more and more and more as you engage in the weekly worship service. And then it's not just enough to believe, though. You need to belong to a community of believers. And so belong is we want you to partner with us through our church membership, and also to find community with our weekly growth groups and thereby help one another to walk the walk. So you belong, but it's not just about belonging. We want to keep becoming more like Jesus Christ. We want to keep moving that direction. So we want God's Word, God's Word to take root deeply in your life. Uh, so that you may come alongside others and help them to also know God. And our aim in doing that is through what we're calling Equip to Engage. I'll explain that more in a few weeks. And also our discipleship tracks. And then lastly, with the discipleship pathway, it says build. What we mean by that is we want you to join God's work of building his kingdom. He's doing that right now, all around the world. He's building his kingdom. His kingdom is increasing. His gospel is bearing fruit. And we want to join God's work with him, both locally and globally, by investing ourselves in evangelism and missions, disciple-making, and service. That's the discipleship pathway. Uh, again, it's modeled on our mission statement. Uh, what you'll hear me say a lot over these next few sermons is, where are you on this map? Believe, belong, become, build. Where are you, and what's your next step? 
What's the next step that you need to take to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and walk worthy of him and be pleasing to him? Maybe you're here this morning and you don't even know Christ as your Lord and Savior. Then your first step is to recognize your sin and to confess that sin to him, that you have violated God's holy standards and to come to him who wants to draw near to you and save you and rescue you from your sin. Come near to him and declare your faith in his son who died on the cross for your sins and rose from the dead and is now victorious at the right hand of God. That's, that's the first step. You believe in the Lord Jesus Christ for he alone can save you. Uh, maybe you've believed in the Lord Jesus Christ but you've never been baptized. That's the next step, isn't it? You need to be baptized in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you come every Sunday, but you have yet to get involved with, uh, with the church. You're struggling to connect. You're struggling to belong. And so for you, the next step would be growth groups or even church membership. Maybe you feel like you're stuck on a spiritual treadmill. Do you ever feel that way? Like you're running on a spiritual treadmill and you're not, you're not making anywhere, you're not getting anywhere. Uh, maybe you want to get more involved with serving others, but don't know how. Maybe you came here this morning just wondering, what's next in my life? What, what, is, what does Jesus want me to do? That's what this pathway is about. Encouraging you with that, with that and pushing you forward in your walk with Christ. I'm, I'm very excited about this. Listen, there's nothing more exciting, nothing more worth living for than walking worthy of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? That's why he saved us, to walk worthy and to be fully pleasing to him. And then helping others do the same. It's not just about you making it to the end. You've got to bring others with you, helping others to do the same. And our goal as a church is to come alongside you and help you to do that. That's our goal. That's our mission. Uh, that's our heartbeat, is to help you keep moving to the right and help others do the same. Remember, we love others best when we point them to Jesus and then help them follow the Lord Jesus Christ. So this morning, I'm going to show how the Bible talks a lot about walking and just what that has to do with, with, with the map and with next and all of that. Uh, and then we're, we're going to do that by looking at Colossians 1, 10 through 14. Uh, you probably picked up on the fact that when I'm jumping in at verse 10, uh, we're actually jumping in partway through a prayer. This is a prayer that Paul has for the church at Colossae. Uh, as we make our way through this, I'm just going to answer two questions. And the first question is, what does it mean to walk with Jesus? And the second one is, how do we do that? So the first question, what it means to walk with Jesus? Because verse 10 says, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 10, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. What does it mean to walk with God? Obviously, that's not a literal expression. That's a figurative uh, manner of speech that talks about your behavior, your conduct, the way you live your life. What it means is to live a God-pleasing life. To live a life that is upright and holy. To live a life that relies moment by moment upon God. That's what it means to walk. It's a common theme in the Bible. The first place we encounter it is in the book of Genesis. Remember in Genesis chapter 5, verse 24, we hear about this man named Enoch. Remember Enoch? It says in Genesis 5, 24, that Enoch walked with God and he was not. For God took him. They said, what does that mean? Well, Hebrews 11 verse 5 tells us. Hebrews 11 verse 5 says, By faith, 
Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found. Why? Because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. That's Hebrews verse 11, or chapter 11, verse 5. So Enoch's life was a wonderful God-centered life. He pleased God. He didn't exist for himself. He lived each day to walk with God. And that's no small thing because the world in Enoch's day was pretty wicked. You just find that a few verses later in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, it says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And yet Enoch walked with God. You can walk with God in the midst of all the evil and chaos that's around us. You can. You can walk with Him. And you can shine brilliantly in this world as you do so. Enoch determined to walk with God. He didn't just spend five minutes looking at the Word of God in the morning and praying for minutes. He lived his whole life uh, in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ, to his, to his God, to His Father, to His Savior. There are people like that, though, you know, who... They In the morning, maybe they read the Bible for a few minutes, and then they pray maybe for a minute or two, but then the rest of the day, you don't really think about them too much. That's not what it means to walk with God. Uh, Enoch walked with God 24-7. He devoted his life to God everywhere, all the time. <clears throat> uh, in Genesis 6-9, we read the same thing about Noah. It says, Noah was, was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. In Genesis 17, 1, uh, God declares to Abraham, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 33, God commands the nation of Israel. He says, you shall walk in all the way that the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live, and that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land that you shall possess. In Micah 6.8, we're familiar with these words, I believe. We, we read, He has told you, O man, what is good. And what's good? He says, And what the Lord requires of you, but to do justice, and to love kindness, kindness and to do what? Walk humbly with your God. That's Micah 6.8. In the New Testament, uh, we read this earlier, but Jesus cries out to, to some of the disciples. He says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Following Jesus, that's the same idea of walking after Jesus. And to follow Jesus means he comes first. He's your number one allegiance. He's your first priority. You're committed to him. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, we read, walk by faith, not by sight. Galatians 5.16 says, walk by the Spirit. Ephesians 5.8 says, walk as children of light. Second uh, John chapter 4, or 2 John, there are no chapters other than one chapter. So 2 John verses 4 through 6, uh, he writes, I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. See that emphasis on walking? All throughout the Bible. And I hope what you can see from that is that what that means when it says to walk with Christ or to walk with God is it means nothing less than total submission to Him. Walking in obedience to His commandments. Ordering your life around His Word. In a word, it means to change. And it's a radical change. Because the Word of God also says that before you walked with Jesus, you were walking in this world. 
You were walking in sin. You were walking separated from God. You were walking according to the pattern and philosophy and thinking of this world, and you were separated from God. But God in his love and his grace, he sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who walked the perfect walk. He never sinned. And he walked right to the cross. And he died a death for our sins. And because of that walk, when we place our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we can be empowered to walk after him. In fact, that's what the verse says. So as to walk, how? In a manner that is worthy of the Lord. Wow. That's quite the verse, huh? Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. In case anyone's thinking, I just want to clarify very quickly. When that says to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, that does not mean that you become worthy of God and his salvation because of the way you live. That's not even close to saying that. Worthy there uh, means equal weight. Equal weight of who? If you can picture those old scales where they have the hanging balances and you put one on the other and one on the other and it has to balance out. One's too heavy, it goes up. So the idea is Jesus is here and you're here and it should balance. Equal weight. That's what the word means. Equal weight of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's pretty, that's pretty incredible, isn't it? That's quite the command. To walk worthy of the Lord. We as Christians are to see to it that our manner of life, our conduct, our living weighs as much as the character of our Lord. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, a great parallel to Colossians 1.10, the Apostle Paul says this, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you, hear, hear the urgency, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have received. Now, instead of urge, you can say, I beg you, I implore you, be who God has made you to be. Walk worthy of the Lord. Really be a follower of Jesus Christ. Don't just say, I follow Jesus. Follow Him. Don't just say, I'm a Christian. Live like a Christian. Be a Christian. Follow Him. This is the only way, Orangeville Baptist Church, that we can make a difference that can't be ignored. is by following Jesus. This is the issue of the hour. The world around us is falling apart. 2020 has demonstrated total depravity with a capital T. It is wicked. What the world needs today more than ever is Christianity that's professed with the mouth, believed in the heart, and acted upon daily. The world around us is angry. It is filled with rage and discontent. The world around us is evil. Now is the time for us to walk Now is the time for us to walk worthy. Words mean nothing. The proof is in the walking. This is the issue of the hour. Are you walking worthy of the Lord Jesus Christ? And then notice what it says after that in verse 10 of Colossians chapter 1. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him. Fully pleasing to Him. Uh, The New International Version, if you have that, puts it this way. Please Him. Please Jesus in every way. So the goal of walking worthy is pleasing Jesus, not just in one or two or three ways, but every way. There's no compartmentalizing of your Christian life. There's not, this part's my life, this is what I want to do, and this part is God's life. He can have this part, I'll do whatever I want over here, He does whatever He wants over here. There's none of that. 
There's no CEO Christianity. You know what that is, right? That's Christmas and Easter-only Christians. There is no such thing as CEO Christianity. We are to be fully pleasing to Him. Our greatest ambition, our deepest desire motive is to bring pleasure to God in everything that we do, every thought that you have, every decision that you make, every word that comes out of your mouth, every attitude, every aspect of your life, whether it's spiritual, emotional, or rational, whether it's your family life, your church life, your employment, the way you spend your time for recreation or entertainment or hobbies that you have, or yes, even government, all of it is to be fully pleasing to the Lord. That's a, I mean, is there any greater ambition than that? So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him. And if you're anything like me, at this point you're thinking, how do I do that? <laughs> How's that even possible? And what, what helped me in, in thinking through this was, is just remembering this is a prayer. Paul is praying that the Lord would help the, the believers in Colossae to do this. So how do we do this? By leaning on God, right? By leaning on Jesus. That's where the power comes from. And there's also encouragement, I think, just from that illustration of walking. We're not going to get there overnight. You're not going to make some big decision today and be perfect from here on out. It's, it's daily, one step in front of the other, one step in front of the other, one step in front of the other, seeking to walk uh, worthy of Him. But how do we walk? That's what it means to walk. How do we walk with Jesus? What does that look like? What does it look like when you wake up in the morning to walk with Jesus? What does it look like to, to walk with Jesus in the midst of the virus, in the midst of the rioting, in the midst of uh, losing a job, or, or just all these other things that are going on? How do we walk worthy of Jesus, fully pleasing to Him? The good news is we're not left to wonder. Uh, verses 10 through 14 actually tell us how. Verses 10 through 14 explain if you're walking with Jesus, this is what it looks like. So I'm going to get technical with you for a second. In verses 10 through 14, there are four, you guys are going to hate me for this, but there are four participles. Who remembers what a participle is? <clears throat> Some of you are going to get a headache right now, right? There are four participles. And these four participles are present active tense. What that means is, it's supposed to be continuous. 24-7, we are to be doing these four things. And you can make them out as you make your way through the text. So verse 10 says, So is the walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him. How do I do that? First participle, bearing fruit. There's your first one, bearing fruit. The next one uh, is right there in verse 10 also, increasing in the knowledge of God. The third one, verse 11, being strengthened. And then the last one, the fourth one in verse 12, giving thanks. Those are the four participles. And those four things are to be continuous 24-7 uh, characteristics of your life as you seek to walk worthy of the Lord. So that first one, bearing fruit. It says, verse 10, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So bearing fruit in every good work. Your walk with God pleases Him when you're bearing fruit in every good work. Uh, fruit is important to God. 
Uh, in John chapter 15, verse 8, uh, Jesus said, My Father is glorified in this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. And I'm not going to take the time to unpack it, but it would be a great Bible study for you guys just to study out all the different kinds of fruits uh, that the Scriptures talk about. The specific fruitfulness that the Apostle Paul is writing about here has to do with good works, Right? It says that you bear forbearing fruit in every good work. In fact, good works are why Jesus saved you. Not again, I gotta be careful of that kind of language. He didn't save you because you did a lot of good works, but he saves you so that you can now do a bunch of good works, right? Uh, so Titus 2.14 says, Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness. Now watch what it says, Titus 2.14, and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Zealous for good works. So what are good works? What makes a work good? Can we only do them on Sunday when we come to church? What makes a work good? And I came across an author, M.G. Easton. He, he, come, he put together three things that make a work good. I thought it was pretty good. I'll share it with you if you want to write them down. Uh, three ways that make works good. Or God-glorifying, you could say. And that's actually the very, the very first one is they spring from the principle of love to God. So the work that you do springs from the principle of love to God. What makes a work good? It springs from love for God. The second one is you have the glory of God as your object. It's from love for God to the glory of God. And the third one is uh, that the work is in accordance with the word of God. The third one is your work is in accordance with the word of God. The word of God. So good works, I'll say it again, good works are those actions which are motivated by love for God. They have the glory of God as their aim, and they are in accordance with God's word or God's will, you could say. And from that, what I really like about that is that means everything you do can be a good work. It's not just something that happens on Sunday morning. It's something that can happen anywhere, anytime, no matter what you're doing. Good works are wrapped up in our everyday walk, our everyday life. Good works can be anything and everything from seeking to raise your children in the love of the Lord. It can be uh, seeking to be a godly husband, to being a godly wife. Uh, it can be sending out emails. It can be mowing your lawn. It can be painting office walls. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, some of the time I was painting, I was not doing that as good work. <laughs> some of that may sound silly, but I mean it. You can do those things. You can cook supper as a good work. To do good works, what you need to be doing is go about doing what you were already doing, but seek to do them out of love for God, to the glory of God, in accordance with His Word. You see? It's, it's what you were already doing. It's not, oh man, i got to do something else. i got to add this to my life. No, it's, it's whatever you're already doing, just do it for the right reasons, for the right purpose, and in accordance with God's Word. And it's a good work. It glorifies God. I, I love how John Wesley put it. He says, do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. 
Uh, that was John Wesley. That, that's, <clears throat> that's pretty good. The second one is increasing in knowledge. You're bearing fruit. You're also increasing in knowledge. Uh, God is pleased when you grow in the knowledge of God. That's what verse uh, 10 says, increasing in the knowledge of God. And that, that only makes sense, right? The more you grow in understanding of God's character, uh, his word, his wills, his ways, his expectations, then you're able to even more so walk in a way that pleases him. But we've got to be careful here because this isn't just an information dump. Right? This isn't just backing up the information dump truck and unloading it on people. Information is, is good, yes. We need to learn the facts. We need to learn the truth of God's word. But it needs to translate into truth that is lived. Right? It's not just about getting a whole bunch of facts in your head. That's important. But it needs to translate into change in the way that you live. The Great Commission, Jesus says, teaching them to do or observe all that I commanded you. If you're going to do what he commands you to do, you have to know what he commands you to do, right? There's the facts. But then you also need to what? Do it. You need to practice it. Put it into action. In Luke chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus doesn't say, blessed are those who know the word of God. He says, blessed are those who hear the word of God and what? They observe it. They do it. There's the blessing. You need to know what God's Word says, then you need to do it. You need to put it into action. That's what increasing in the knowledge of God is supposed to lead to. Walking worthy, being fully pleasing to Him. And of course, James 1.22 says, Be doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. The third way that we walk worthy, the third way that we please uh, the Lord Jesus Christ is by being strengthened. Look at verse 11. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Now, what this verse does for us, I think, is it, it, it reinforces this idea that, that walking with Jesus is hard. It's hard. Sometimes I think we get this idea in our minds that if I just know what God's word says and obey it, I'll be like levitating off the ground and nothing can touch me. I've been saved since I was 17, uh, so 23 years almost, 22 years, and walking with God is hard. It's worth it, but sometimes it's a slog. It's hard. Uh, sometimes the walk is very, very steep. Uh, sometimes the walk is very rocky, and you trip and you stumble. The walk is hard. Sometimes the walk, the wind is blowing in your face. Sometimes you're walking this way and everyone else is going that way. <laughs> and what's more is, Satan is out to get you, isn't he? Satan ha hates the fact that you're seeking to walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's, he's out to make it as confusing and difficult as possible. So he's switching directional signs. He's telling you to turn here and there. He's trying to confuse you. And reality is, we are no match for his guile or his strength. In and of ourselves, against Satan, we have no hope. He's working night and day to make your walk unsuccessful. He wants you to quit. He wants you to turn around. He'll stop at nothing to see that happen. To resist him, you need power and strength that you don't have. And there's the great news in verse 11. Because you are being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Amen? What a verse that is. The walk is hard. Walking with Jesus is hard. But Jesus 
empowers you in three ways. Not just one way or two ways, in three ways, right? You are being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might. There's the hope, there's the strength. Look, we believe this lie, hook, line, and sinker, that we're strong. I can handle anything. Throw it at me, I can handle it. That's a lie. We are weak, we are powerless, we are helpless in these things. But God, His power is matchless. And that power is strengthening you with all power according to His glorious might so you can walk the walk worthy of Him, fully pleasing to Him. That's, that's what He's doing so you can, you can walk in His ways. What a truth. And, and as we think about that, verse 11 unpacks it, unpacks it a little bit more that He is strengthening you for three things, right? All endurance, patience, and joy. Endurance means remaining under. And it implies not easily giving in. It's keep on keeping on in the face of adversity. Enduring. So often what we say when trials come is, man, I just can't wait for this to be over with and, what, and, and get things back to normal. Maybe we've even been saying that with the riots or maybe even been saying that with the virus. And what God is saying is, no, I have a plan and a purpose for this to help you walk worthy of me and I'm strengthening you to endure through this. And not just endure, but to be patient. Patient means to have a long fuse. It means to have self-restraint that doesn't retaliate in the face of provocation. Patient. Those two things complement each other tremendously, and it's a very much needed word because we live in a word of instant things, right? Instant pudding, instant cake, uh, instant everything. Uh, as Christians, we seem to think that should come over into the, into the Christian walk and this instant walk with Jesus. I'm just trying to help you see it. It, it doesn't work that way. You've got to endure. You've got to be patient. But not just that. He'll strengthen you to have joy. And to me, that's where God's power really shines. That a Christian can go through all of this suffering. That a Christian can go through the virus or anything else you want to throw at it and endure it patiently with joy. That's where you see God's power really shine. When you go through all that stuff and you have joy. Only God can do that. And you read in the book of Philippians, if you remember the book of Philippians, that that's the book where Paul writes the most about joy, and you remember where he is. He's in prison, facing the very real possibility of death. And he's filled with joy. That's God's power. That's God's power at work. Lastly, giving thanks. I'll just say this one very, very quickly. God is pleased with our walk when we walk with thankfulness, uh, that, that's in verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father. I think he gives us four reasons to be thankful. Because watch how it goes. Verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints and lights. There's reason number one to thank him. Reason number two is he has delivered us from the domain of darkness. So our inheritance, our deliverance. The third reason to be thankful is he's transferred you to the kingdom of his beloved son. And then verse 14, the fourth reason to be thankful, he has redeemed you. He's forgiven you. He's accepted you. Those are four reasons that should cause us to burst with thanksgiving. So there you have it. How do you walk with God? It's by continuously bearing fruit 
increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened by him with all power according to his glorious might, and giving thanks. So how is your walk? Do those four things categorize your Christian life? Are you giving thanks? Are you bearing fruit? Are you increasing in his knowledge? And are you being strengthened to endure and to be patient and to be joyful? Are you joyful this morning in the midst of all that we are encountering? This is an incredible picture of the Christian life. Do you see those characteristics in your life? What's next at Orangeville Baptist Church? I hope that's what's next. Those four things. I want that to be what's next. And that's what the discipleship pathway, Believe, Belong, Become, Build, is all about. It's about helping each one of us continuously to manifest those four characteristics that we might walk worthy in a manner that is fully pleasing to the Lord. Is that what you want? That's what I want. That's what I deeply want for each one of you. And that's what the discipleship model is all about. And so next week, we're going to dive into that first one, Believe. What does believe have to do with uh, walking the walk? Amen? Amen. <clears throat> I'm going to pray, and then we'll, we'll go over dismissing things. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, help us. Help us, help us, help us, Father. We, we love you so much. We want to walk worthy of your name. We want to be fully pleasing to you. But even as I preach this, Lord, and I'm sure for all of us here as we're listening, there are things you're bringing to your mind. You're showing us, you know what, that's, that's not pleasing to me. The way you, you handle that, the way you think about that, the, uh, the, the way you, the emotions that you had there, Lord, that these, these things that are not pleasing to you, Lord, forgive us for those things. Show us those things and help us, Lord, to turn and correct and walk in a manner that is fully pleasing to you. Help us to glorify you in this way and help us as a church to grow in our discipleship, to be serious about discipleship, to be serious about coming alongside others and pushing them towards Christ, encouraging them towards Christ, and becoming more and more pleasing to you, Lord. Please, that's, that's our heart, that's our ambition, Lord. We ask to you, the Sovereign One, to please do this. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so if you'll recall from, from last week, uh, we, are, we are asking that everyone does not just suddenly get up and go out. And I, I know, again, this is awkward, it's weird, but it is what it is. <clears throat> We're going to do it with joy, right? Because the Lord, the Lord strengthens us for this. And last week, because uh, I know what some of you were thinking, last week I dismissed in the back first, and you're thinking, aha, I'm going to sit back there so I can get out first. So we're switching things around, right? And remember... We want to sing a couple songs outside. So if you're able, please, please stay. As, as you exit out to, to this door, to my right, uh, to your left, exit out there. We'll make a big circle. Uh, the lyrics are right there on the seat in your bulletin. We're going to go out there, sing a couple songs, close in prayer. Uh, on your way out, remember the offering plate's there. The water's there. Grab some water. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and dismiss all the way to my left first. You guys can get out of here.